Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Integrated Health Podcast. We're joined here with two members of Courage of Care. Very excited to have you here in the studio. First, I want to introduce you to uh, my guest to my left, Brooke Lavelle. Dr. Brooke Lavelle, I do believe it is. Yes. Um, And she's the co-founder and president of Courage of Care. Brooke is... Uh, uh, Brooke holds a PhD in religious studies from Emory University and master's in Indo-Tibetan Buddhism from Columbia University and a bachelor's in religion and psychology from Barnard College. Her academic work focuses on the diversity of contemplative models for cultivating compassion and mindfulness, as well as the cultural context that shape the transmission, reception, and secularization of Buddhist contemplative practices in America. Brooke founded a compassion and equity learning community in the Bay Area and is a member of the Initiative for Contemplation, Equity, Action, ICEA. She serves on the board of the Foundation for Active Compassion and also a consultant to the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education at Stanford University and the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. Brooke now resides in the Bay Area, Oakland in fact, I do believe, and travels regularly to lead compassion-focused workshops and retreats at home and abroad. Welcome to the program, Brooke. Thank you. Also, we have another very special guest here, someone that I've been a fan of for a very long time and following her work since I was born, literally, um, my sister, Kelly Moore. Dr. Kelly Moore is here. Um, hi, Kelly. Hi, Danny. That's pretty pretty weird to have your sister on the show, but pretty awesome at the same time. Kelly studied to be both a teacher and social worker because she could never decide what she liked more. And after working in many settings, including schools, psychiatric hospitals, and private practice, she settled on doing both what she currently does or has done at middle school and high school in the Seattle area. Kelly received her bachelor's from Occidental College and her MSW from USC and her PhD from the University of Texas. She first learned to meditate when she was nine, and her father introduced her to meditation teacher in Boulder, Colorado. Remember that? I do indeed. Well, it was a walking mantra, and we all decided we would tell each other eventually what that was. While that specific style of meditation never took, a love of contemplative life did, and she attended her first retreat in 2000. Kelly has begun to integrate her contemplative practice into her work in schools. She completed a year-long training in mindful schools, participated in a call-to-care program at Mind and Life, and has been teaching mindfulness and compassion to students, teachers, and parents in her current school community. Additionally, she has recently begun co-leading an equity, inclusion, compassion leadership study group, where she hopes to continue to enter the power of compassion with social action. Kelly lives in Seattle, Washington with her husband, Gary, and her two amazing teachers and children, and my niece and nephew, Elizabeth and Connor. Welcome to the program, Kelly. Thank you, Danny. I'm really glad that you guys are here. And as I said with you at dinner last night, I deliberately don't ask a whole lot about what I, you know, when I have somebody, when I meet with somebody before, I don't talk a whole lot about it. And obviously when I have my sister, that's a little bit different, but not a lot. Like we've, we've discussed what you do in general, but tell me a little bit about Courage of Care. What is the vision for Courage of Care? What are you working on, Brooke? What's, what is this thing? <laughs> well, Courage started, actually, we were working primarily with people in social service. So teachers, doctors, nurses, social workers, people kind of on the front lines of service organizations. And we were trying to help them develop a kind of sustainable power of compassion that could help them keep going in the work, right? They're on the front lines and how do we figure out how to sustain them? But we realized that so many of them were burning out, even in spite of our kind of 
greatest efforts in a mm. way. And we felt like they were burning out not just because of the overwhelm of the work, but because they really felt alone in their work and they felt like they couldn't do anything in spite of spending like hours, weeks, months, years at the job. They felt like the systems they were embedded in were too big and not going to change no matter what. And so out of that work, we were doing compassion training, we realized this isn't enough. Like what we really need to give people is a big vision and a way to help them deepen their personal capacity for love, empathy, connection, but also to have tools to start to figure out how do we build community and really start to work in changing some of these systems. And we felt like that was the key. So that's what Courage is up to now, Very trying to cool. really help people get that vision Very and those cool. tools. Very yeah. cool. And who does the staff consist of? Like the people who are involved now, who's all part of your team? Well, the, there's a, it's actually, you know, Brooke is at the helm and Brooke has really led us. There's a, a lot of people, the way Brooke has led this whole organization is a co-learning approach. So she brings in people all the time to talk about like, what are we including? What are we not including? There's a hub of people that have mm. been developing the program and creating the vision and practicing with each other. Um, there's teachers that are being trained in this method and some of them come on board and are part of the hub. Um so it's actually kind of a fluid thing. It's mm -hmm. I don't know, Brooke, do you have a better answer for that? No, I think that's great. We really are trying to be a learning organization, and we're really grassroots in that way. Like, mm -hmm. who are the people doing good work that are trying to be part of something bigger, right? And those show up like teachers, contemplatives, people who are organizers, people who are activists in their own right, people who've been in the field for many years or decades, people who are just starting out in their careers. Mm. We're intergenerational. We come mm -hmm. from across the country. We come from different contemplative backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, training disciplines, which is a learning curve in and of itself, sure, but it's yeah. like a beautiful kind of melting pot in mm. a way of That's people. That's super cool. Yeah. So do you, do you guys go into actual schools and places like that or like places where people work or is it more of an online community? Like how are, how are teachings and um, how is it delivered, I guess, is the way I would say, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to deliver this program in all different models, like whatever works, really. Yeah. And so yeah. we have some general online training where people can learn some of the basics. We do some in-person workshops and trainings to really try to build community on the ground in places. Mm -hmm. And then we're also doing some work in schools and in some smaller organizations where we can really try to take the whole approach and see it grow over time with a committed group of people and really see what's possible when a group really commits in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. What causes burnout? That's a big thing, right? Like yeah. every, every place you go, every place I've worked, any place that deals with other human beings, there's this thing that comes in called burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? What is that? Well, I think that it's on many levels. I think that um, I'm going to speak first to the interpersonal level, and I think I'll let Brooke speak to the sort of more systemic, how, like fighting big systems. I think at an interpersonal level, I think that um, we can often take on the feelings of everybody that we're working with. And so we, we and, and a lot of us are trained minimally in how to do, to separate that from the work, but many of us aren't. And so we walk around just absorbing the, absorbing the feelings of people, the, 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 the hardships that they're going through. And then a sense of like, I can't do anything about this. Like I can only do 
from A to B, and this person actually needs from A to Z. And so it's a feeling of like giving your all and not really being able to help in a full capacity. So there's that on an individual level. And then I think what Brooke spoke to is this really intensive individualism that exists and like the sense that we're in it alone and that we alone have to figure things out for these individuals. Yeah. Like almost taking pride, like a kind of a pride in that, or maybe an unconscious pride of like, if I'm less, I'm doing it by myself. I'm not fighting the good fight. Yeah, I think we have this weird martyr hero narrative that's yeah. embedded <laughs> into like social service professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes out of this deep individualism that Kelly's talking about, where we feel so alone. You know, this where we feel like we're placed in a society where we feel like we've got to compete. It's me against the world, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And somehow we take that up in our service work. Like, yeah. it's all on my shoulders. I've got to do it. If I let go or if I let people down, the whole system or my family will collapse or the school will collapse, right? But we take on this identity, like, I've got to do this myself. And I think that's paradoxically killing us. Yeah. Absolutely. We can't do this by ourselves. No, no. And yet, you know, challenge that in individuals and it's kind of like, wow, you're exposing me. Like how how dare you to someone maybe who's less conscious around that issue or hasn't hasn't been able to see that. It's kind of like, what? But I I walk to where I do all of these things. It's like it's like learned helplessness is institutionalized and savored seems mm-hmm. almost like, you like know, a badge of honor. And yeah. Like yeah. Like the, the more you sacrifice yourself and everything else, it's viewed as nobility. And of mm-hmm. course, there's elements of that. That's true. Mm-hmm. But at what cost? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At what cost? And mm-hmm. um, and then then it seems like people's best intentions become cynical and and kind of more the, the reasons they got into it start to become very different and, and it kind of morphs and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's so cool. I love what you're doing. It's mm-hmm. very, very cool. Um, what, what, what else about what you're doing? Like, tell me some more about it. Like, how, why would somebody call you guys? How, how do they find out about you? Who, in the, who, who of our listeners would call and say, okay, hey, gosh, I, that sounds amazing. I would like to talk with them. How does that work? Okay. Well, I think that's, I think that's a really good question. And I think that there's a lot of parts of the, of our work that fit for different people. For example, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work with parents right now and sort of the narrative around being a parent and, and so, and also what I kind of wanted to say about the burnout, which really applies to the parenting is that we have this false binary of it's either you or me, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that basically I give to you or I give to me. Mm-hmm. And if I am giving to me, I'm somehow taking away from you. And so then what we're told is then go back and do self-care, which means give yourself a bath and pour a glass of wine, and then you're going to feel all better. Mm. As, so it's really like there isn't actually a really good teaching or narrative around what true self-care is and like what it actually means to be given care mm. while you're also giving care mm. um, in, in a deeper way. So, so parents, I guess, really need that, you know, mm-hmm. because I think the parenting paradigm is very much about selflessness and, you know, which it is to some extent, it's got to be, but right. there's also more to it. I would say people in social services, like huge people that want just sort of to understand this in a deeper way. I, I think that we're a really, I think it would be awesome for activists, because I think that's a group of people that are fighting really good fights and, and looking at things systemically already. Um, and as Brooke would say, like, without sort of a compassionate lens or without sort of being able to also have some lens of uh, 
what would you say, like care or? Like an inclusive stance in the work or some way of, of recognizing that in some way we're all in this together, even if we have separate issues that we're fighting for, that there's a we, a deep structure of a we, right? Yeah. And how do we find some kind of grounding, whether it's contemplative or just a, a stance or spiritual, right? How do we find something that sustains us in that work? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and without that, you can recreate the same system that you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, totally, with with all the best intentions of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it seems like it seems also like it's so difficult for us, us being all of us, our our society, to move past this dualistic point of view. Like everything has to be duality, right? Like, you know, now it's a Trump voter. Right. So it's like a Trump voter or like us. Mm-hmm. Right. And no, I mean, there are certainly people who voted for Trump who are not neo-Nazis, crazy, right, who had had, that had some very good reasons within themselves mm-hmm. to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. But when I say that, I'm sure there are people who are hearing that right now and it, mm-hmm. it, it triggers something in them. Like, what? Who is he? Uh, right. That's not true because it's like. So I can have compassion for like what I can have compassion for, for what works for me, but I can't have compassion for someone who might be a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And isn't it necessary if we're going to evolve, if we're going to like go the next pl- step? You yeah. Know? No, and I think you're hitting right on the edge of the work, which is how do we call everybody in? Mm. And by that, I mean everybody, like the big we, mm. while also confronting the bad behaviors, the othering, the systems of inequity and racism and holding people accountable to that while still calling them in in their humanity and dignity, right? Mm -hmm. Like Kelly's pointing to, if we keep othering the other, we are just in our own way perpetuating same versions of of destructive systems, right? And that's a hard learning, right? It's tough. Really mm-hmm. hard learning. And mm-hmm. that's that's something we're all so steeped in the learning of, right? Mm-hmm. But how do we keep trying to call everyone in? Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Call everyone in. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we call everyone in? Yeah. Well, part of it, we, we've been developing this blueprint, which we've, we've been really trying to think about how do we, in a simple way, try to give people a simple map for this mm-hmm. that also hopefully connects them to the work that very many people already doing good work are doing, sure. right? In many ways, what we're doing is not new, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And just want to name that there are many people who've come before us and are present with us now doing this kind of work. But we started thinking, how do we engage people around like a movement, a movement of care, a movement of connection, a movement of like really deep relationship? And we started thinking that first we need to help people get this big vision, mm. like move out of this stance of just reacting to bad things happening in the world mm. and create spaces where we can come together and think about what this world could be like and what our communities could be like and what our schools could be like and so on. So that's our first step in giving people tools and space for that. And then we realized we needed a way to help people really deepen their own capacity for love and care, really in a relational way, like Kelly's been pointing to, like how do we help people sense that they're held in a field of care, that they are deeply relational beings, that we learn to love and care in relationship, that that's critical to our survival, not just like doing movement work, right? 
And we thought that many people have that capacity already, right? So how do we help them, this is the third stage, then see what gets in the way? Like what holds us back from what you're talking about? Really loving the other, like really fully seeing the so-called other in a way. And what is it at, at a personal level, at an interpersonal level, even at an institutional and systemic level, like systemic levels of racism and inequity that condition us really to see other people as less than? What is that? What is this deep-seated individualism that holds us apart, right? And then we thought once we pull back the curtain like that, we really better have some tools to help people come together and heal from that, right? So how do we build practices for like, it's bad, but we, we're still in this, right? How do we come together in community? And then once we have that, we thought, what are some of the basic tools once you have this picture for learning maybe it's how to organize or how to get involved as a citizen. Maybe you, f you care a lot, but you don't really know what to do in the world. Or you work in an organization that has great values, but maybe slightly dysfunctional. So what are some basic tools for helping that organization or helping your community get on track and move towards being a more caring, inclusive place? What would that look like? Really getting practical. So all of our programs, our courses, our workshops follow that, that blueprint in a way. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, because it seems like people really do have to have an experience with it mm -hmm. in order to embody it, right? Because mm -hmm. we can all agree, God, that sounds great, but at what point am I going to kind of peel that off and then mm -hmm. try on something new or mm -hmm. entertain an idea mm -hmm. that's challenging? Mm -hmm. Not usually at the water cooler, right? Mm -hmm. Or an in-between sessions or, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I would even argue that our our blueprint is actually the way love moves mm. like if you get out of the way mm. you know and you and you allow the you that sort of has to survive in this everyday world and be an individual that love moves that way mm. like love wants to like not stop at anyone or anything mm. and wants wants the world to be that way mm. in some way so i would it's not even like a false thing that we've set up like, well, maybe this would be good. I think it's I think it's from an inner experience of like hmm, this. I think this is how love can move. Like if you're loved enough, you can see what you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. You can see what's hard to see. And once you see that, then there's even more love and healing there. And then you can actually transform. And it it's not from the stance of self-help you need to get better you need to be better this needs to be a better system it's it's just a different way of mm. transforming things softer yeah. and kinder it sounds like really yeah yeah but right. fierce yeah 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 because you, you two aren't softies really you're kind of both kind of i got that last night it's like no this is serious this is this is big this is a big deal i'm from jersey yeah i got that jersey <laughs> Got that jersey, yeah. You know, and Kelly's OG from Chicago, so you know, straight from Watch the out. straight from the burbs, <laughs> straight from the North Shore, baby, coming at you. What else? Um, what else is on the horizon? You're working on this blueprint. What 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 else is going on? What other things do you feel like you really would like to share with our listeners? Maybe uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the teacher training and the yeah. and leadership training yeah. and um, just sort of how we're gonna be going about this. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I'd say there are. Um, well, we're really trying to roll out our kind of general education programs and be on the ground in a few cities. Really trying to build community. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like part of what some of us have come to learn is that we've taken community for granted in a lot of ways. 
and that community is really a practice. So how do we, just in our very being or in the way we hold meetings and practices, start to help people create community? And so I'd say that's on our list, on the horizon for, you know. But we're also, I think, oriented towards two different kinds of deeper trainings. And that really is at the heart, that re represents the heart or the margin that we're working at in Courage of Care. And in one direction, we're facing our kind of spiritual teachers or leaders or contemplative teachers or psychologists who lead mindfulness programs and people who really get the personal work on a deep level. And what we're trying to bring to them is a lens that helps them understand their work in a broader context, really helps them understand how they can be more effective by understanding the systemic and structural issues that inhibit some of that work. So they feel more agency and more empowerment in doing the work and maybe less of a chance of reproducing some of those structures we mentioned. And then we're also facing on the other side our community organizers and activists who already get that, who already see the systems, who already know it, who are already fighting the fight. And we're looking to help them really deepen a kind of sustainable practice of love that can carry them through that work and help them develop and really embody that more inclusive stance that we've been talking about. How's that being received? How's it being received with community organizers and stuff? How does that go? What does that look like? I think there's variation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think even within the contemplative world, there's variation. Sure. And within community organizers, there are some people that have been so turned off by anything that smells of spirituality or religion mm. in many ways because they've been, because of their own identities in many ways, excluded from their own religious traditions or haven't found a home in their traditions. And so the traditions that we are offering, we're not teaching religion, but we're offering practices that are found in and through diverse traditions are also the very systems that those people find to have been systems of oppression in and throughout history and in their own lives. So part of our challenge. Tricky, tricky. <laughs> part of our challenge. Part yeah. of our challenge is, like, like we've been saying about the Trump supporter, right? right? Yeah. How do we call people in? How do right. we call in the good, so mm -hmm. to speak, mm -hmm. of those traditions and the wisdom of those traditions and all the good people mm -hmm. through those traditions mm -hmm. while also naming and confronting the systems of oppression that are very, very real sure. in and through those traditions? Absolutely. So that's a challenge. But I do think many people, even if that's a resistance, many people in those movements are looking for some kind of care, some deep kind of self-care. And I think that's a way that we've been able to make some kind of ground in, in those movements. Yeah, I mean, not to sound corny, but the, like love shines through, right? Like people feel that vibration, even if... Even if you don't want it, or your first your first initial reactions, oh, what's this thing, right? But then, upon second glance, you're like, but it's warm, and it makes me feel there's something there. So people, people, I I have a lot of faith in people's ability to perceive what's real for them and what resonates. That's sort of a deeper vibration than the rhetoric on top or mm -hmm. or the conditioning and the rest of it. You just mm -hmm. feel it, right? Mm -hmm. Even if even if you're not aware of it or don't have the words for it, mm -hmm. I think that comes through when people's intentions are super pure, mm -hmm. you know? And it sounds like from what you all are doing, it definitely is. You wouldn't embark upon this to, uh, why, why would you do that? You know, go public or something? You know, come on. We see big money in this <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make a killing, you know? Yeah. No, but it's really great. It's really, really cool. I'm glad to, to learn more about it. 
And I'm glad you mentioned the experience of it part too, Mm -hmm. because I think that what we as a very young organization struggle with is how to talk about all this because it's a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a way you can talk about it that people might understand and recognize. But what really draws people so far, the people at least I've worked with and, and I think that Brooks worked with is the experience of it. So having a moment where you really are just feeling loved and cared for. That's part of, that's like a very basic primary practice is mm. just calling forth a caregiving figure, some, some time where you felt deeply seen and valued for exactly who you are and deeply loved. Mm. And people meditating on that experience or it, you know, just sitting with that experience, it opens up something in them mm. that is sturdy, that feels love, that feels warm. And, and then there's this yes to it. And we don't really care what you call it because mm-hmm. there's a yes to that. Mm-hmm. So that's our challenge is like, sure. what are the words that go along with... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of that experience that mm. actually fortifies you through the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have to make up some words. Because <laughs> words are so polarizing, right? It's like people have so many associations. Maybe it's, you know, Munga Gubi. <laughs> I, would, I would highly recommend Munga Gubi. Courage of Munga Gubi. Courage Munga Gubi. You know, wasn't Google made up? Like Google is made up and Justin wasn't made up? I don't know. It's actually not. It's not? <laughs> yeah. I always bring Justin in. Good, yeah, Justin. Yeah. Google is like a really large number. I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's oh, right. Okay. You're right. It yeah. is. I do remember. What about Uber? Uber kind of was, no? Possibly. Does yeah. Uber mean great? Not sure about that. Like Uber big? Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, the, yes. the, the, the possibility exists to find a new language for something. Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. What is your greatest wish for this? What is your if you have a if you have a if you had a wish if there was a wish for you what what's your wish for courage you care where would you hope it could go in the present and in the future? It's hard to say a wish because I think part of what we're learning as we're moving into these circles of mm. learning is that there are many ways to be alive in this world and many different visions for a healthier, healed world. Mm. And so if we could be a platform for more people to create those visions in ways that actually drew people in and actually supported all of us flourishing, like that would be success. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a, an image per se, mm-hmm. but I do have an image for courage that it becomes more of a place in the communities in which it's really embedded that is a partner and facilitating this co-learning and community work at whatever level is necessary or relevant in those places so that we become a kind of group that is that is there kind of like at other people's backs in a way, like trying to hold and trying to support. Um, so that's a concrete vision and that wherever we show up, regardless of the techniques or the classes or the information we're trying to pass on, that what we leave people with is a sense of how valuable being in community is, mm. like some feeling for that. Mm. That that's more important than any individual leaving our class, knowing a little bit more about the science of compassion or how to organize a movement, that there's a sense that there was a connection made. I love that image of us being at their backs. I love that because um, I think that's a really important piece that there's no, I don't think there's anyone among us that wants to be like the center of someone's learning. I think the idea is to be the pointer in some mm-hmm. ways. Like that's who you are. That's what you can become. That's what's possible. Mm-hmm. And together you can do that. And we can help you come together because we have a few things that might help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you all together can be something bigger than any individual. And that you already are. It's already there. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that that's what I'm hearing you say. It's like it's it's already there. It's there's beliefs and constructs that 
facilitate an illusion of separateness. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I, in my opinion, it's the greatest single illusion that we live with mm-hmm. and that's reinforced constantly mm-hmm. through competitiveness, through all this. But, but my own belief is that, yeah, we, we actually are all one. And it's, some, like, ran, it's like a massive hallucination that we're not, mm-hmm. you know? My thing, this yeah. thing, my right. party, my family, mm-hmm. my that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yep, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, if we had See a how diagnose- far that gets us, right? Yeah. If we had to diagnose the problem that we're working against, it's that. Mm-hmm. It's this deep-seated sense of me versus the world. Yeah. All like, the way down. Like yeah. systemic narcissism almost. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's super cool. Well, um, it's a pleasure having you here. I'm excited we get to go to dinner now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> any other parting shots you'd like to say or throw out there? Shout-outs to anybody? Anything before we move on? No, just come come take a look at our website and which is which is courageofcare.org. Nice. In the fall we'll be launching some new online courses, um, something for just about everyone actually mm-hmm. on on the um, on the website there and um, let us know. It's very exciting. Well, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it and um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Until next time we come back again when you come back to We'd the love town. To. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, with All some right. oxygen. Some oxygen. <laughs> some oxygen. Yeah. Oh, we might have time to hit the oxygen bar before. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. A little All right. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks you. for bringing the love. Talk to you guys soon again. And uh, once again, this has been the Integrated Health Podcast. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. 